0: Very good to see you all, uh, those online and those who are here, of course. uh, um, This would be, um, as Travis uh, reminded us, the second uh, of a series of five. I forgot the five. I just know this is a series of meetings, but I forgot it's five. Uh, The reason I... um, uh, say that, is um, if the uh, the burden that the Lord put in my spirit and my heart for you um, uh, uh, is there or will be there, then I may need more than five, maybe 50, maybe 50 sessions. Um, why? I'll tell you why. Uh, because the burden, uh, you may say, the subject that uh, is uh, um, that I have, not only for you, this this group of this audience, but really for for all the saints, for all the saints, um, is a. Uh, uh, huge, big, and important subject. What is this subject? To put it in the briefest term, as the song, the hymn that you sang, would um, tell you, or inform you, it is the Lord's coming. The Lord's, uh, you can use many words, the Lord's return, the Lord's coming, Some people say the Lord's advent, you know, is coming. Um, And uh, elsewhere in the scriptures, uh, you have the word "His revelation. The Lord's revelation, that doesn't mean to some vision, that means his revealing himself um, um, openly and eventually even physically. Uh, Not only to us, but even to the whole earth, people on the earth. Uh, You have, of course, the word appearing. Uh, Paul said in uh, his last epistle, the one to Timothy, um, that there's a crown uh, of righteousness awaiting him, but not only uh, him, but all those who love his appearing. That appearing is the Lord's coming back. And uh, uh, you have also the word manifestation. When he is manifested, when he is revealed, that all refers to of the Lord's coming. Um, This subject of the Lord's coming is so great that uh, that really it requires a lot of uh, um, study actually and there were uh, uh, Christian teachers or Bible students in time past, and particularly uh, in the uh, uh, 1800s, that is, in the 19th century, because prior to that, uh, this subject, all those in the Word and you know in the Bible, but it was not uh, studied nor Understood or properly understood uh, until around that time. So uh, you have uh, these famous names of Bible teachers. One is Robert Govett. Robert Govett is a great teacher of the Bible. These are all uh, people from England, huh? from Great Britain. Uh, He was the one who really uh, recovered, if you will, the matter of the kingdom in the Bible, the subject of the kingdom, um, which people didn't know about or misinterpreted or twisted uh, in, in 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 the centuries before that. Uh <clears throat> then you have uh, uh, his disciple. His name is D.M. Panton. Panton, a very, very spiritual man and uh, great teacher um, on this subject. And D.M. Panton has something to do with us, the Lord's recovery, in this way. Um, he was, <clears throat> became a mentor, if you will, certainly a supporter of a Western lady missionary uh, back in the early 1900s uh, to China, from England to China. And that sister of that missionary's name was Elizabeth uh, Barber. And some of you may know if you have read uh, the biography of Brother Watchman Nee. Um, And of course I recommend that biography to all of you strongly, strongly. It's called the Seer, S-E-E-R, of the divine revelation in the present age. It was penned by Brother Witness Lee, uh, um, that biography. And there much uh, was spoken um, concerning Sister Barber. And and so, and of course, Watchman Nee uh, was again mentored by... Sister Barber, in many ways, and one of the helps she gave him was to introduce him to the best and the most spiritual books that were that came out of England in the 1900s um, <clears throat> and uh, and because she was uh, uh, influenced, if you will, uh, but very much and supported by uh, Panton um, that uh, uh, she would recommend him uh, his writings to Brother N, nee, uh, 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 who received much, much help from from this brother's writing. Not only so, uh, but uh, Sister Barber didn't just uh, subscribe to these teachings and knowledge about uh, the Lord's coming and so on, but she lived as one uh, who waited, who anticipated the Lord's coming. The word uh, in a number of verses in the New Testament when it comes to our attitude related to the Lord's coming is simply the word await. You know, that's sort of an old English word, await. That means you wait, right? You, but it's more than you, you know, sit there and wait. Uh, It is, has the meaning of uh, anticipation of expectation of looking you know you, you're looking for something to happen you see uh, that is the the, the word um, that the apostles used and uh, uh, related to the Lord's return and uh, so uh, and there were some very inspiring stories of how this Sister Barbara uh, lived that way. Um, she lived that way uh, and when he uh, was a young, young man uh, under his, uh, her perfecting. Uh, this is in southern China. In, uh, they would be walking on the sidewalk, you know, and side by side, this old sister and uh, and uh, Watchman Nee, and uh, <clears throat> she she died 1929. Okay, and uh, uh, and she said, maybe when we round the corner, the Lord would be there. The Lord would. Be there to meet us. Uh, uh, I wonder if where where I'm walking is is sort of don't don't quote me as um, uh, I would run into him. Uh, this is where I will meet. You know, you know, you you've done some hiking, right? Some hiking in the mountains, and there's a very narrow path and it's, there's some cliffs here and so on. Um, you just don't know there's another hiker coming up the other way. You, you don't see, but you turn, whoops, there's someone coming up, right? That kind of a feeling, so you have to be careful, right? Uh, that her uh, expectation of the Lord's coming is that, that real. Now, you may say... Is she obsessed? Is she crazy or something? Well, maybe if you don't know, uh, you know, these things. But for her, it's not. It's like her only reason to live is to is to see the Lord. Her her only uh, her her hope and dreams. Is to meet the Lord in in her lifetime. Her whole her lives as a Christians' whole focus is to meet Christ, the coming Christ. I mean, you have to be someone who loved the Lord so much to live like that. I mean, you. Basically, you have no hope on this earth. You have nothing to look forward to. You, you have no future on this earth. You have no expectation about anything. It is what it is. You are just looking for to be with the Lord, to be face to face with Him, to meet Him. That, that's your only hope. That's your only hope. And I find that uh, not only to be so uh, dear and precious, but that it is also so rare and so lacking, not only among God's children, but I would say even in our midst with us who are in the church life. Um, and if you uh, read, uh, find some of the hymns that uh, she wrote, uh, and I did have not done my study, but you you will find that y- you will see a portrait of her, just from her hymns, uh, of a woman or a sister that lived like that. That lived like that. And so Watchman Lee was greatly influenced by her life, not just her knowledge, right, of the Lord's coming, but by her, the way she lived. And so uh, <clears throat> so that, that has, and, and, and Watchman Lee, of course, was the one who began the Lord's recovery in China, um, you know, a uh, hundred years ago. Uh, this year is the hundredth, 2022, the hundredth year of the start of Watchman um, uh the beginning of the church life there in Fuzhou, you know, in southern China. Um, uh, so 100 years. And and. Um, So this matter of the uh, uh, Lord's coming, oh, there's another uh, brother, his name is Pember, also from England, Pember, um, who is very, very knowledgeable in prophecies um, uh, of the world. You know, if you want to know the prophecies of... uh, of the end times and so on and so forth, you need to know certain major things, right? Uh, basically, three things: you need to know the future concerning Israel, you need to know the future concerning the church—that's God's people in the Old Testament and God's people in the New—and you need to see, know the. Uh, destiny of the world of the earth the nations the world you need to know these things and this man studied that and wrote on that and uh, became also a great help to us now um, why am I uh, burdened for this matter uh, um Number one, <clears throat> um, as the world situation around us continue to uh, unfold or uh, develop, and uh, and, uh, and I have I, pa- I have passed my seventieth uh, year, so I've been around longer than you um, for some time. And so I have seen my share of the world, the development of the world situation, okay? And certainly I would agree that uh, these are very troubled times, um, very uncertain, very volatile times. But it's not as if I we've not, we not seen anything like this. In this kind of times have occurred in the past. In fact, when the Lord Jesus was here, he spoke concerning in the last days. And Paul would use this word in the last days, not referring to sort of the last few years of this age, but indeed since the Lord's first coming and the Lord's, After the Lord's death and resurrection and ascension, the last days began. So the last days was 2,000 years thus far, from the time of the Lord's first coming until now. So uh, there is that last days, right? The last days. We have been in the last days, a long one, long last days. But nevertheless, these 2,000 years. But there's also uh, specific last days, and those are the days of the last years of this age, what we call the age of grace, or the age of mystery, or some people call it the age of the church. That is... Basically, spans the Lord's first coming and His second coming. All right, the first coming, the two comings of Christ. The first coming, two thousand years ago, when He uh, came uh, uh, and was born in Bethlehem, and uh, as the uh, child of a a, uh, a virgin. Right, uh, conceived uh, by the Holy Spirit, the uh, this first mingling of God and man, uh, one person possessing two natures, the very God becoming a man, that was the first coming. And there's a lot to speak about his first coming in contrast to the second. Now sometimes I may want to do a table of the two so you can see, you can compare these two comings, each with its own specific uh, purpose according to God's plan and according to God's economy. You need to know these things, right? These these truths. Um, so you have the uh, The future, last days, that is to come. I am not a prophet. I cannot tell you, oh, by the way, don't believe it if people say Jesus is coming in 2025, you know, August, whatever. You better say get away from here, all right? We are, according to the word, we can know. The seasons and generally the times. Actually, if we you get into the prophetic study, you can even, at a certain time, when the signs are present, to know the day. Uh, not the day, the the uh, uh, the year. Um, but no one would know the time, um, because that is only father's knowledge. Even the son does not know the time. And th- Which is why, again and again, this analogy of that day coming, or the Lord's coming, is as a thief. Just when you, you're sleeping, you're slumbering, you're snoring, whatever, you think everything is fine, the Lord comes. And and so, um, which is itself quite a warning to us. So, um, um, now, this uh, uh, matter of the Lord's coming, and you can see I'm taking my time here. You say, whoa, you, you probably need 50 sessions. I do. I do. Um, someone did some study, and I have not checked, so I kind of take it. Uh, that, that have looked into the whole New Testament, you know, the 27 books in the New Testament, that roughly, huh? one out of 20 verses has to do with the Lord's coming. You think about it. One out of twenty verses is on the Lord's coming. If that's true, then I could there's no reason for me to not believe that. It should impress us how important, how significant this subject is, the Lord's or this matter is the Lord's coming. It would not be too much to say that this is one of the most important subjects in the New Testament. I don't think that is exaggeration at all. More is spoken about in the Apostle's writing um, about the Lord's coming back than his first coming. Than his first coming, as momentous as that was, as epoch-changing as that was, the second coming is spoken and prophesied a lot more. We all are thankful by the Lord's first coming, right? Which is coming, according to Hebrews, for sin, to deal with our sins, right? Through His, um, of course, He, when He was in His earthly ministry, He taught, He, He spoke, and, and so forth. It's all in the Gospels. But his uh, the culmination of his earthly ministry was the cross, when the Lord, where the Lord was crucified, for the accomplishment of our eternal redemption. And of course, uh, um, after that, his resurrection. Oh my, death and resurrection this is a great thing. And the resurrection of the Lord um, was what? Was for not just our redemption, but for life impartation. By, through this way, the divine life, the resurrection life, um, was dispensed, as it were, into us who are the chosen ones who obey the gospel who believed in the lord as our savior and 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 thus we become regenerated right and after that the lord would ascend to the heavens publicly in the uh, in the company of several hundred and uh, we all know that uh, Today, he is in the heavens. You know, there was never a man in the heaven. A man in the heavens. Never. Man was just on earth. Today, there's a man in the heaven, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And there he's carrying on his heavenly ministry in these last 2,000 years since he departed, since he went into the heavens. And carrying on his ministry in the heavens as our great shepherd, uh, as our intercessor, praying for us even right now. You're sitting there, he's praying for us as the great high priest who's succoring us, which only he could do because he was a man and he knew our weaknesses. He's also the king there at the right hand of God, administrating the whole universe. Um, um, and he's also the mediator uh, of between God and man. He is the executor of the new covenant, and so on and so forth. Not only so, we also know that this Christ today uh, is that life-giving spirit. Amen? the, the, the Holy Spirit, that is actually indwelling us, living within us. So he's both there, and he's also here. And his living in us is to do what? Is to work out God's economy to fully save us organically. All right? Which means he is there today as the Spirit, Uh, given to us as a pledge to what? To saturate us, to fill us, to um, 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 transform us, to reconstitute us, to renew us, to sanctify us, and all these things, what we call the organic salvation, is being carried on by the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I just say a word here. We, we need to see this and treasure the mingled Spirit. That is the Spirit of the Lord, the life-giving Spirit that is now mingled in our spirit through our believing in Him. This mingled spirit is it, is it that will work out everything God wants to work out in you and in me and so there's no other way this is God's way so today we must pay attention to the spirit we must focus on the spirit we must live by the spirit we must Enjoy the supply of the Spirit. And that's the Christian life. Okay, I digressed. So, um, that was the Lord's first coming. And then he ascended. And what he left here was his church. Right? The very... Um, entity that is his body his organic body and that is God's eternal purpose to produce such a body for him for Christ the son who is now the head right and it is through this church that eventually he will fill all and in all in this universe and this is why the church is such an important subject today? Christians they just care for their own Christian life, and then, you know, you're in this denomination, I'm in that. You, this and that. There's really not the proper understanding of what the church is, ecclesia. And um, and so, uh, but simply put. Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. Uh, so, all of this that Christ has done—you um, know—God's uh, uh, creating man. Number two, God's re- Christ redeeming man on the cross, and Christ uh, coming into man to be His life. Whether it's creation, whether it's redemption whether it's life, all are for a building, a building. And that is the church, the body of Christ. That would be the expression of Christ, the expression of this um, uh, embodiment of the triune God, uh, that there would be such a thing on the earth today. Okay. Okay. Um, but that's the first coming, and we treasure that. And you know, today Christians, Christmas, you know, all they think about is the next Christmas. Am I right? Uh, or even Easter, right? The next Easter, right? Uh, I don't find any festivals or a holiday for the Lord's coming. No, nobody cares the Lord's coming back. As long as I got East, I got Christmas, baby Jesus, you know, and and Jesus died for me. Um, uh, I'm not going to perish. I will have eternal life. I'm going to heaven or something like this. It's good enough. I got my ticket. To heaven, I'm safe. That's it. That's like like that's it, that's it. But that's not it. That's not it. You know, in the last chapter of the Bible, that is chapter twenty-two of the book of Revelation. Yeah. After. John the apostle has finished his speaking concerning the new Jerusalem there was there was still half a chapter there or more the last words if you will three times in that portion the lord spoke what i come quickly this is the end of the Bible. The last chapter, the last half of the last chapter. Three times, three times I come quickly. Now, if I'm not going to see you anymore and I want to say something to you, you 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 better listen to me, right? Because I won't see you again. These are the parting words. This is must be the most important words in my heart to you. And three times. Not only so, after he spoke those three times, the apostle, the writer, <clears throat> responded with the last prayer in the Bible. The Bible is filled with prayers, all kinds of prayers. The last prayer. What is the last prayer? You should remember. Amen. Come quickly. Right? The response in the apostle was, Come quickly. Come, Lord Jesus. That's the last cry, if you will, in the Bible. You think about that. Right there, it tells us, like, it's zero in to one point. Related to the whole Christian ex, uh, existence. And related to God's plan and economy. And that is his return. His coming. I like to say, brothers and sisters... Not only Christians, many Christians who don't know so much as we do, but even we who know quite a bit more, may not have this this kind of thought, this kind of uh, what? focus of the Lord's coming back. Yes, is something in the future. <clears throat> but that's something I told the brothers today, you know, were you in the recent conference in the uh, conference, the training, the, 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 the kings, first and second kings, <clears throat> you remember I gave the message on the cornerstone there's a cornerstone right in the building of the temple how I claim my, my I show off a little bit my architect expertise that in you know the old you know old days but even now you, you build a building a house or whatever it starts in a point there's a property but <laughs> it starts with a point, and that's the corner, if you will, as a point. And that's where, in the old days, you put a cornerstone there. So the cornerstone is for support, it's for you know many things. <clears throat> but the cornerstone or the corner is the, what do you call it, the point of reference of the entire building. Of the entire building. Everything emanates from that point. And everything goes back to that point. And everything is measured and judged and determined, decided upon that point. And in God's building that point is Christ. So you want to see say, is this building okay? Check Christ. He is the standard. He is the corner. What material you use, you know how far you go, and level and everything. You better check Christ. Christ is the unique standard of God for His building, because this building actually is Christ, as it's. Uh, element as its content. Now, I would say this this morning that for us believers, Christians, the Lord's coming should be that point. You say, um, what should I do? What, what should the, be the next thing I should do in my life? I would say this morning, <clears throat> check that point. What point? The Lord's coming. Do you make your decision based on that? According to that? Or something else? The Lord has not come back yet, but I will tell you that point is fixed. He will come back at precisely the time that God the Father has ordained and for that particular and specific purpose. This, in other words, let me say this, brothers and sisters. I'm burdened to speak about the Lord's coming. Unlike in other uh, um, others who would touch the same subject, my burden is not prophecy. There's a lot to speak, by the way, and we have to know prophecy. Something about the prophecy. It's a great, great thing. Great, great thing. I'm not interested just to talk to you about the coming kingdom, the millennium. A great subject. All right? By prophecy, I mean I can talk to you about Daniel. I, can, I have to talk to you, and you should know something about the 70 weeks. Okay? You need to know the last week of the seventy. You need to know how those that week is divided into two. You need to know something about the Antichrist Antichrist, the man of lawlessness that it will be coming. You need to know something about the rapture. There's something called the rapture that will take place and it's not as simple as you think, you know, here I go. You need to know something about Israel. Um, And so on. And so on. But those are not the things that I'm particularly burdened for. My burden is this. How the Lord's coming would affect the way we live today. The way we conduct ourselves. The way we live on this earth. The way we live our Christian life. The way we live our church life. The way we serve the Lord. The way even We raise our families. The way we do our job, this is working saints, right? The way we work. All of this, all of this, that point, that point should be the reference point. And that is Emmy Barber, Sister Barber. Now, um, I quite struggled and deliberated quite much about this matter, just how do we get into it without this even distracting you by so many uh, uh, aspects of this matter. <clears throat> So, this morning, I will just take the time to just use two books. Now, there's a lot, but I just select two books. That is, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians in the New Testament. 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Why I do this? Because... It is a two books that are written to some new believers in Thessalonica. <clears throat> and um, Paul spent apparently less than a month with them, um, these saints and apparently when he spent time with them he talked to them about this matter and it is shown in his epistles his two epistles short epistles but filled with this theme huh this matter of the lord's coming and the burden of these these two epistles is simply about the holy life that they should live as believers, as Christians, for the church life. This is the subject of these two books. And the references to to the Lord's coming is everywhere. In 1 Thessalonians, particularly, at the end of every chapter there would be five chapters it would be about the Lord's coming this is why I have the bonus to say that's the reference point that was the reference point point. and don't think and because these are new believers I also have the bonus to say this that this is not just something for the advanced spiritual people. This is for a newly saved. This is for a young believer. We should know this matter. Not, I don't mean all the doctrines, all the details, you know, all those kind of things, but just this matter of the Lord's, the basics of the Lord's return So we know how to orient our life, how we should live and serve today. So, um, I would uh, have us, I don't know whether you bring your Bible anymore, but at least you have in your device or something. Uh, I would just read to you. a number of these verses, huh? From these two, I hope these days you can actually reread the Thessalonians yourself. In uh, uh, f- chapter one, verse three, it says, uh, first Thessalonians, remembering unceasingly your work of faith." and labor of love, and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ before God our Father. I'll just say this much, that in the three things, faith, love, and hope, that comprise still the structure of the whole Christian life, the last one is called endurance of hope. And this phrase, this phrase, clearly is speaking about the endurance that issues from our waiting and hoping for the Lord's coming back. When we talk about the Christian hope, it's the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that hope refers to the Lord's coming, the hope of his coming back, the hope of his return. And that requires our endurance. Okay, then in verse 10, and here Paul talked about you Thessalonians, you receive our word and and so on the gospel and you turn to God from idols you know from from idolatry to serve a living and true God and then he continue in verse 10 and await his son from the heavens whom he raised from the dead Jesus who delivers us from the wrath which is coming. See Paul is here exhorting, all right warning admonishing these new believers and quickly he talk about besides serving God, serving the living and true God, what you are doing is you are here every day awaiting. Every day, you're waiting. You know, when I uh, consider the the burden for this meeting, um, I know this, right? But the Lord, the Spirit's uh, checking within me, speaking to me is, so you know this, but are you waiting? Me? This morning... Are you waiting for my coming? Or you got plans for Saturday? Do you know what I'm saying? Now, I don't mean you don't need plans. You understand what I mean. What's your focus? What are you thinking? Next week's work? What are you going to build up in your life? This and that that you want to accomplish and I don't mean even just secularly, I would even say even spiritually. You know, I am a co worker, so call, and I have a lot of work to do in, in you know in, in in the in the recovery. Too many things I cannot tell you. But is is that first for me? Or is the first thing I'm here waiting. I'm still waiting, expecting, anticipating the sun from the heavens. If I'm not, then I'm re- I'm already off. I'm re- already off. Now, we're not a bunch of escapists like, you know, get me out of here, right? So every moment... You're re- irresponsible. You don't take care of your job. You don't take care of a family. I'm waiting. You know, there are people who put on a white rope and go sit under a rock in a mountain. I'm waiting. We're not talking about that. We are, in one way, just like everyone else in the world. We do a job. We get married. You're working saints. You have responsibles, uh, responsibilities to carry out. We're no different. But we are different. We're totally different. Because we are looking for something else. What are they looking at? Four. A bigger paycheck. A great family. I like this. Await his son, not just await his son, very interesting, from the heavens. Now this is a big matter. This son is above coming from the heavens. Showing this very important thing, brothers and sisters, in our life today. And that is, our calling is heavenly. Heavenly. And we're looking for something from the heavens. We are do not belong to this earth. We are not earthly people by nature. We once were. Now, our eyes are heavenward. Our whole orientation is the heavens. You say, oh, this is not practical. This is very, very practical. We're not strange and weird people, right? As I just described. But inwardly, inwardly, we don't identify with the things of the earth. Doing so many things to gain success and whatever, and, and pleasure, and enjoyment, and happiness, and, and, and satisfaction from the things of the earth. We are a heavenly people. Please go and read Hebrews chapter 11 on that litany of the men and women of faith in the Old Testament, all of whom are looking for a better country. A city in the heavens. They identify with the heavens and not the earth. Brothers and sisters, we must admit we have become earthly. We're tied to the earth. We send roots on the earth. We don't live as sojourners, passers-by. That our destiny... There's nothing on this earth. This earth will burn up. This earth will end. This earth will be judged by God. We are heavenly people with no future here. Our true future is from the heavens. From the one, who the sun, from the heavens. I quoted a verse in Psalms in uh, my message 10 on building Zion. Remember that, that, that message? In Psalms, uh, I forgot, 24, whatever. It says, lift up uh, your heads, O the, the gates, right? Amen. And the, uh, 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 the enduring doors, I, I can even quote it right now. That Psalm is a prophecy of the Lord's coming. And these, the, the person who wrote the psalm is lift up, you know, lift up your eyes, lift up your head, lift up your, lift, you know, the gates means you, you know. It refers to the nations, it refers to households, and it refers very much to each one of us. Are we, are our eyes lifted up or are our eyes like this? You know, like that woman you know the woman who is bent is her whole life is what looking down on the earth i'll tell you this is the world people and it could be us every day you are, you are actually walking like this what more on the earth for me what more what have i have not done what what more can i gain you eventually you, you this is your posture this is your Christian posture is, you, is your eyes upward? yeah you have to do these things I'm not you understand what you have to do but is, are our eyes upward? To the heavens. I just want to say this. We have a heavenly calling. Amen. That means our vocation. Our destiny, brothers and sisters, our hope is the heavens. It's something from the heavens, not something from the earth. And may I say something more here? Sorry, the time. Today, young people you know, Younger generation—they are—they are stirred up. They inspire, you know, to what—to save the world, to uh, reform society, to uh, change the government, to uh, to improve uh, the the uh, the uh, equality, equity. You understand? Uh, 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 let's get rid of all these social ills and cultural things Uh, uh, let's do something to get rid of racism and and let's bring in uh, uh, do you follow me? I like to tell you very clearly these may be noble things maybe you know Noble things, but I'll tell you, this is not the church's commission. Number one, I will tell you, things will not get better. You say, "Oh, please don't say that. Don't, don't, don't give up." No, no, we we, we can still save the world. We can still change uh, the climate. We can still uh, save the environment, the whales, and the uh, 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 we need to drive Teslas, we need to uh, <laughs> uh, 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 build a better device to save mankind. And uh, Well, I'm not saying they are wrong. No, I'm not making that kind of moral judgment here. But I can tell you, if you would believe me, and I say something according to the word, it's not going to get better. It will get worse, much worse. And as a Christian, this is not our calling. I tell you, in fact, some people, some even some Christians, they get into this stuff and they get swallowed up by it. Like a brother said in, 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 when I gave this word up in Oakland this last weekend to the uh, college age, he said it's like trying to go and save a drowning man. Eventually you got drowned yourself. Now you say you don't care about the world, you don't care about... These fires, you don't care about inequality. You don't care about. It's not about caring. It's about me, as a Lord's child, the Lord's people, and it's my. It's about the church's commission, the Lord, church's calling, as a as a people. It's about. What God intends to accomplish on this earth. The church's calling, or commission, I should say, number one, the church's nature is totally heavenly. It's on the earth, it's with people who are living on the earth, you and I, but its nature is entirely of the heavens. The church has no root on this earth. The church is something apart from this earth. The church is Christly, resurrectionally, and heavenly. That's the nature. And the church's commission is to go and disciple the nations. Amen? Amen? To save people. To bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. We are not changing the system. But with the aid of the Spirit, we're here to change lives. One at a time. We're here... To help people to know Christ. We're here to help people to grow in the divine life. We're here to practice a church life for the Lord's expression and testimony. We are here to do damage to a dark kingdom that people cannot see. That is the satanic kingdom. To fight that spiritual warfare. We are here, not looking to change the current system, because it is unreformable. We're here to usher in a new kingdom. In the Lord's first coming, he never came and changed anything. Not even the evil system of slavery. You would say Jesus came and how come he didn't change that system? In fact, the Lord Jesus, in his speaking about many parables, he used the parable of slaves and this. Why the, the Lord's job, if you will, is not to change society, it is to accomplish God's heart's desire, God's plan in this universe. Which man was originally made for, but got degraded as a result of the Satan's work? I'm for helping people. Don't even the Lord say, "Heal the sick, right? Feed the hungry," and and I'm for that. Then the Lord Jesus is the first. Uh, Real uh, Good Samaritan, am I right? But even in this Good Samaritan um, uh, uh, parable, it's not today people, you know, the Good Samaritan hospital. No, that is a picture of the Savior coming to save those who are working and laboring under the law. And he healed them and saved them and brought them to an inn, am I right? Which is a picture of the church. And asked the inn to take care of this person until he comes. And they will be rewarded. The Lord did not come to reform society. He came to save the world. And so the church continues. His commission to go, to preach the gospel to all creation. To preach the the repentance and remission of sins. To disciple people, to make them kingdom people in God's kingdom. To baptize them, to teach them the truth, the truth. The divine truth, the unique truth. And to build up the local churches. And eventually, to what? Build up the body of Christ. Out of which the Lord will gain his overcomers against this very, very degraded. 2,000 years of history of the church. And these overcomers will bring the Lord back. Not just as an event, a glorious event, as glorious as that is. And also on the life side, that as we grow, as the Lord's life work within us, as we experience this organic salvation of the Lord, which is really his work in spreading in us, from our spirit. To our soul and eventually even to our bodies. And that would be when the Lord comes. When our bodies will be changed. And we will be glorified. This is another huge big subject related to the Lord's coming. That he will gain his bride. That he will gain his army. That he will defeat the Antichrist. That the way will be open for him to what? Set up his throne on the earth. To repossess the entire earth for God. This is what we are about, brothers and sisters. We are a different people. We have a different hope. We have a different destiny. This morning I want to ask you, what is your destiny? To succeed on this earth, to do whatever? To to go colonize Mars? You know the Weber's telescope just got sent up there which is many more times more powerful than than the old one well what is the old one Hubble, Hubble. I mean now they're staring into what billions of years ago you know the furthest furthest galaxy I mean it is mind blowing mind blowing and you we're here trying to colonize Mars to get a few people out there, you said, "Oh, don't be so bad, you know. The, these are people really trying to help society and 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 preserve the human race. Because if something happens, we'll still have a few people there. And um, um, it's not about that, brothers and sisters." Are we clear, brothers? Am I telling you something of a fairy tale? Or is this the word of God? If you, you know, how you live, how you order your life, how you prioritize things, all depends on your sense of what your destiny is. What your purpose is what your meaning is, what's it all about. And until you identify yourself with this, we would still be here. Yes, we're Christians. Yes, we are in the church. But we can still be here like this. Just like everyone else is like this, but but not like this. The church, after the Lord ascended, in a way became a widow, a widow. Or someone who has lost her husband. So even collectively, not just individually, for sure, as the daughters of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem itself, the church, should behave like a widow. A widow? Yeah, a widow. Waiting for her husband to come back. The Lord. Because the church is the bride of, uh, the the wife of Christ, right? Ephesians chapter 5. But oh, 2,000 years, the church did not live like a widow. It It lived like a woman who got divorced and got this billion dollar uh, alimony and enjoying herself the church, this is the church this is the worldly church beginning with Pergamos and into Thyatira entirely earthy And earthly enjoying being pleasured, having a good time. That is a worldly church. That is degradation. The Lord today is still calling. And I hope the fellowship like what I'm having with you, has that effect of calling. There's a call here. What are we living for? What is our goal? What are are we looking for, our husband? You know, uh, uh, sisters, I don't want to encourage you to be sentimental, huh? But in our hymnal, there's a whole section called Hope of Glory that have hymns about the Lord's coming back, and we don't sing it much at all. And some are by Brother Watchman Nee, Brother Nee. And there's, uh, there, there's one that is a very famous one. It's to the tune Danny Boy, to, the, to that tune. Uh, it's a long hymn granted granted it is quite full of feeling huh full of feeling and quite sentimental and so on and i'm not trying to make you that way but i am saying that it is written from the heart of someone who is waiting really waiting and expecting and hoping and loving the appearing of her husband. That even this husband, as the Spirit, is with her. She is not satisfied until she sees him in person, physically. Now, if the saints here in Irvine, you all, would live this way, would identify with this calling, would be such heavenly people with our eyes upward, i tell you, our church life will change. Our service will change. Even our serving today, you know, some full-time saints here and some not full-time, it does not matter. And then we go through things in life, adversities, persecutions, sufferings, you know, talk about that. You know, the pandemic, the bug, the, the Omicron, the, the the plagues. I tell you, all these things, there's no end. You solve this Omicron, there'll be another variant. There'll be another something next year. This is all predicted. It will lead to worse and worse situations. The war in Ukraine... I'll tell you, you think that one stop there will be no more? No more war? War will stay. The evil in society is going to only increase and get much more perverse and depraved and immoral. Now, even getting our little kids... It won't improve. It will only change when the Lord comes. In his second coming, he will change society. He will change kingdoms. Sicknesses will be done away with. War will be no more. This is predicted, prophesied in Isaiah There will be justice. You know today, justice. We want justice. I tell you, lawlessness will only increase. Only the hope is when the Lord comes. And establish his kingdom here. Then these things will be addressed. And will cease, but of course people don't know this. They just carrying on. Okay, so I read two verses to you. Uh, The first one is concerning the hope of endurance. Francis, why are we enduring here? Why why won't we just? Get out and go do things like the world, enjoy it, and have fun, and have a life. Why why are we still here? What are we doing here in the church life? Why are we still praying? Why are we still calling on the Lord? Why are we reading the Bible? Why are we in the ministry? Why are we serving? Why are we doing all these things? For, For what? These are not just a set of activities. We're here enduring because that day is not here yet. We're here fighting, fighting, enduring. Why? Because of a hope. Because there's a hope. And if we lost that hope or lost the sense of that hope, we need to regain it. And then uh, the, the the other verse I read in verse ten, that the, the, this uh, expectation of the Lord's coming, there's one important point, and that is in this in, in this verse in uh, uh, first uh, first Thessalonians uh one ten, that touches this. It says I, I read it to you already. Who this Jesus who was coming coming the, the Son from the heavens. He will deliver us from the wrath which is coming. There is a wrath of God coming to the earth, and that is real. That is not misinformation, disinformation. That is not media bi- media bias. I don't care what you you, you, you you watch, CNN or Fox. I don't care. But I am telling you the news. The wrath is coming. God's judgment is coming. It is. To judge the earth, to judge the nations, to judge the, the unbelievers. Those who were not obeyed a belief in God, or know God, or disobey his gospel, and the Lord's coming for those who wait for it, for those who have that hope, it will deliver us from the wrath which is coming. You say, yeah, yeah, I want to be delivered from that wrath. You think, oh, come on, it's no big deal. I mean, when God judges, it's big deal. I don't want to be under God's judgment. I don't think you do. I'm not threatening anyone. I, I don't need to threaten anyone. But it's the word of God. Lord, deliver me. I If there's a way, I hope I don't have to pass through something called the Great Tribulation. I hope that this earth will be totally inhabitable. The natural calamities and all the things. uh, I, I don't have time. You have to read Revelation. The last four trumpets the seven bowls that will pour out in those in the last trumpet and read the description just to read a little bit should you know there's one thing the bible says to do is to pray that you can escape Yeah, the word says so. So this is another uh, aspect of our hope for the Lord's return. And then uh, I'm going to read now chapter 2, verse because every chapter there's a verse or two concerning the Lord's coming. I'll read chapter 2. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Paul expected to have a boast, have joy, have glory, and a hope at the Lord's coming in this way. He said, are not even you, you the Thessalonians. For you are our glory and joy. What is the point here? The point here is is another aspect of having this hope is to have this incentive, if you will. This incentive to work for the Lord, to labor, to have the labor of love and the work of faith. To what? to foster the believers, to foster the young and new ones, to bring, help them to grow in life and to grow into maturity so that when we see the Lord, these ones will become our crown and our joy and our boast. Today, if you are just living your life taking care of yourself, just yourself, you will have no crown waiting for you. You will have no joy and glory waiting for you in this sense. So to have such a hope cause us today to invest ourselves, to 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 pour out ourselves to labor for the saints and the believers in the church life. And that's what all the servants of the Lord did and and All the ministers of God did. And so many even brothers and sisters we've seen in our church life, people that we know, some even have passed on. Why would they give their whole life to this thing? Why would they drop their jobs and serve? Because, because there's an incentive in them working, incentivizing them to do this. But unless you see it, you won't do it. I made a choice to do that. Not that I'm somebody, but I'm just saying as a little testimony. And so many others. So many others. Another verse. Uh, in cha- Now we go to chapter 3. Every chapter, right? Chapter 3. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in boldness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. What is the point here? This aspect of the hope that we have of the Lord's coming and of the coming Lord is our blamelessness in holiness before God. What? No, what how does that affect us? Well, that means if we are people of hope like this, today we will partake of the holy nature of God. And that is called sanctification. We would live a life of being sanctified. We would live a life experiencing the sanctifying work of the Spirit. We would be those who are being whole, made holy, right, in our nature by our partaking of, of this, his life and nature. So that one day, when we see the Lord, we will be blameless in holiness. You say, really? Really? Today, brothers and sisters, we have to cooperate with the Lord and his life and his spirit To work in our being. Don't quench the spirit. Never grieve the spirit. Let the Lord have his way within us. Deny our soul. Soul life. Take up the cross. All of these things is so that he can refine. He can... remove the spots and wrinkles being in his word living a life that conformed to his holy nature, a holy life, and rather than a common life. You know, the opposite of holiness is just simply common. Not necessarily sinful, but common. Only God is holy at the coming of the Lord with his saints. This is how we, that's why we live the life we live today. No one is putting a gun to our head, right? This is our hope to see him one day. It's very, okay, all right, I, I better, the time. Then, the next is uh, chapter 5, verse 1. We uh, No, chapter, sorry. Chapter 4, actually, it talks a lot about uh, the Lord's coming. Uh, In so many words, that the Lord's coming, either those who died in this age or those who are, will remain when the to see the Lord alive. Paul says what? Paul says, um, um, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, concerning those who are sleeping, those who died that you would not grieve even as also the rest uh, uh, who have no hope. Um, Then he goes on in verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are living, there's some who died, and those who are alive, who are left remaining unto the coming of the Lord, shall by no means precede those who are fallen. Then he talks about when the Lord comes, descends from heaven, there's a shout of command, and those who are living and those who are dead will be caught up to be with the Lord in the air, and they will always be with the Lord. This is a general description of what will happen when the Lord comes to the believers, dead or alive. Then finally he says, therefore comfort one another with these words. Dear brothers and sisters, I tell you, there's nothing more comforting than the prospect of the Lord's coming. All the things we go through, all the things that we pass through in the human life, all the things, and all the unknowns in the world, um, you know, the departures of loved ones, and uh, and and so on and so forth, comfort one another that there's a hope. There's a hope. Unbelievers have no such hope. They like to saying, "If I die, I cease to exist. I'm gone. I, I'm not around anymore. I'm done." No, no, no. After you die, something else will happen. You're not, you don't cease to exist. There's still something. There's another judgment coming. Not so simple. Not so simple. Comfort one another with these words. Isn't this comforting, brothers and sisters? We, we don't just end, you know, and I have a heart attack and that's the end. No, no. It's not like that. We are not like the rest, that is, people in the world who have no hope. We have hope in Christ and in the coming Christ. Then the next one is chapter uh, 5. And I don't have the time, but I would just say this: that if you read chapter five, a short, very short chapter, it talks, uh, talks about, uh, in the end, and, uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say a short chapter, but in the end, in verse twenty-three, a verse that we all know, and the God of peace Himself sanctify you wholly. That may, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the coming of the Lord Jesus is the cause of our what? Of our complete sanctification in our tripartite being. So today we are what we are here looking to the total complete sanctification of entire of our entire being with the view of the lord's coming and when the lord comes especially our vile body will be changed our physical body will be transfigured and we, we will experience what the Bible calls glorification, which is another deep matter. But the point is this whole, wholly sanctified, our being, wholly sanctified, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, faithful is the one who called you, who also will do it. Okay, I am done here with the book of Thessalonians. Just first Thessalonians, there's something more in second Thessalonians. But I think it's enough for, uh, for, for the burden this morning. I hope that uh, in the recovery, among the working saints... There would be a, um, uh, I don't even want to use the word recalibration. There would be a renew uh, seeing, a renew deep awareness uh, of the Lord's coming. And that we would live our life and order our life and our service in every way in light of that, in light of that, please bring this matter to the prayer, to the to the prayer with the Lord. I stop here.